As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. So Hotmail is the like canonical example of brilliant viral marketing, right? Back when Hotmail launched, there were a bunch of mail companies that had been funded and that were throwing huge amounts of money at traditional advertising. But Hotmail, um, back, in, back at that time, people couldn't get free email clients. They had to be tied to their ISP. When we funded Hotmail, uh, I had an opportunity to, uh, to see when they, when they told me, hey, we've got web-based email up and running. You'd log in via library internet or whatever, school internet, and be able to get access to that, which is a really big value proposition for everyone who wanted to access it. Most of the companies went out there and did big TV campaigns and billboard campaigns and newspaper campaigns and things like that, bought a lot of advertising off Yahoo, all of those things. But the Hotmail team didn't have as much funding, and so they had to scrabble around to figure out how to do it. Um, I thought, well, wait, can't you just send a message out to 
all those people on the web it says, P.S. I love you. Get your free email at Hotmail. And uh, they looked at me like I was that crazy guy. And why of all the investors in the world did they choose me? But I kept pushing, pushing, pushing. Finally, they said, okay, we'll do it. But no P.S. I love you. We'll just do get your free email at Hotmail. So at the bottom of every message was this little message. So you could click on it and sign up for Hotmail. Now, the interesting thing is that meant the payload was low. Right, you email one person at a time, not necessarily going to have a huge payload. Maybe you send around some of those viral spam emails, but then I'm not sure I'll click on your link. The frequency is high, though, because you're emailing the same people over and over and over, which means you're going to hit them once, twice, three times a day with that same link and really move up the impressions. And the conversion rate was also very high because people didn't like being tied to their ISP email. And so Hotmail ended up being extremely viral because it had high frequency and high conversion rates. And it spread to 11 million users in 18 months and it was the beginning of viral marketing and, uh, and it was very exciting. But to this day, I believe that this world would be a more, more loving and peaceful place if they had kept in the PS I love you. Welcome to rocketship.fm podcast where we explore startups from funding to growth, from culture to sales and everything in between. I'm Michael Saka. I'm Mike Belsito. And I'm Joelle Goldman. That was Alex Schultz and Tim Draper in the intro telling the story of Hotmail's growth, which is one of the quintessential viral growth stories. So we wanted to share that with you. So we're going to discuss a couple concepts today, one being the North Star, another being that wow moment in your product where users get it. And this, these are two of the factors that you focus on when you're looking at growth. Now, the North Star is a metric or milestone that's set by your CEO. At least it should be set by the CEO. And this is the one metric that if you focus on, if your whole team focuses on improving this metric, then your company will grow. Your revenue will grow. Your valuation will grow. And why do you need this just one number? Because as you start to manage more and more people, you can't control what everyone is doing. But what you can do is influence what they're working towards. And that's the goal of the North Star is to give everyone on the team that goal so they know what they're working for. So let's look at a couple examples. So if we look at a company like Facebook, their North Star is monthly active users. So publicly and internally, this is the metric that he talks about. So monthly active users means how many people are active every month. That's really what's going to make a difference in Facebook's growth, especially from being an ad platform. They need people who are engaged. They just don't need users to sign up. And from the very beginning, that was set as their North Star. And if you look at a company like Airbnb, their North Star is nights booked. So every time that they publicly release their numbers and even internally, they always talk about the number of nights booked. Now, this directly correlates to revenue for the company. But the goal is if they can get their team focused on the number of nights booked on their platform, they know that their revenue will increase and their company will continue to grow. So they use that as their North Star. So here's a clip from Alex Schultz, who currently runs growth at Facebook, about his time at eBay and their North Star. 
The North Star doesn't have to be monthly active users for every different vertical. For eBay when I was there, it was gross merchandised volume. How much stuff did people actually buy through eBay? Everyone externally tends to judge eBay based on revenue. Actually, Benedict Evans has done this amazing breakdown of Amazon's business, which is really interesting to look at their marketplace business versus their direct business. eBay is all marketplace business, right? So eBay's being judged by its revenue when it actually has 10 times or whatever more gross merchandised volume going through the site. And that was the number that eBay looked at when I was inside there and optimized for. So every different company, when it thinks about growth, needs a different North Star. But when you are operating for growth, it is critical that you have that North Star and you define it as a leader. So every company needs a North Star, a single metric that if it improves, the entire business will improve. Now, now don't worry too much about picking the right metric. It's better to set a North Star and start working towards it, as most metrics are correlated. So if your revenue is increasing as your North Star, most likely your signups are increasing and most likely your churn will be low and your users will be active. So any one of those would be suitable as a North Star. Here's Alex Schultz again. A great example of this was when I was at eBay in 2004, we changed the way we paid our affiliates for new users. And affiliate programs are a bit out of fashion these days, but the idea of an affiliate program is essentially you pay anyone on the internet a referral for sending traffic to your site, but it's mostly about getting access to like big marketers who do it on their own like separately. And some really good stories from this. We were paying for confirmed registered users. So all of our affiliates were aligned about getting confirmed registered users to the eBay site. We changed our payment model to pay for activated confirmed registered users. So you had to confirm your account and then bid on an item or buy an item or list an item to become someone that we paid for. Overnight, when we made that change, we lost something like 20% of confirmed registered users that were being driven by the affiliates. But the ACIUs only dropped by about 5%. The ratio of CIU to ACIU went up, and then the growth of ACIUs massively accelerated. The cause of this was if you want to drive CIUs, if someone searches for a trampoline, you land them on the registration page because they think they have to register and confirm before they get that trampoline. If you want to drive ACIUs, you land them on the search results page within eBay for trampolines so they can see the thing they want to buy, get excited about it, and register when they want to buy it. So not only did that help eBay focus on what that North Star is for their campaign, for their affiliate program, it also helped them determine that magic moment or define that magic moment which is the next thing we're going to talk about. The magic moment is when people click with your product, when they get why they're on the site and they get excited. Think about Airbnb, when you search for a place and you find all of these beautiful listings. Airbnb had to manufacture that at one point because they realized that that was the magic moment of their product. So they actually... In New York, one of their largest markets, they hired photographers to go in and take professional shots of these apartments that set the tone for Airbnb and set the tone for everyone else who was renting out their apartment as to what their listing should look like. 
And it was also a very special moment because all of a sudden for people that were used to going to a hotel and seeing these beautiful and inspiring pictures of, of the hotel could now have that same experience on Airbnb. And yet they'd be staying in someone's home, a much more personal and sometimes intimate experience and opened up this as an option for travel for people who probably would never have considered this before. But once they hit that magic moment, they get it. And that's where growth happens, when someone gets it. For Facebook, that magic moment is when someone sees their friends. So when you sign up for Facebook, it's really not that much fun uh, if you don't have your friends on there to interact with. You don't get to see all of the features and how powerful Facebook can be. So the magic moment comes when they can find your friends, when they connect you with friends. We see the same thing for other platforms like Twitter and Quora or LinkedIn when you sign up. They have ways of showing you people that you're already connected to online and then encourage you to connect with them on their platform as well as a means to get you involved and start to show you the product itself. Without that moment, it's hard to get Facebook or get Twitter or get LinkedIn. And Facebook especially has found that when users don't have that moment, they're really hard to retain or they have a steep drop off and then they sign up and then they drop off and then they sign up until they get that moment and they have that magic moment. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices. Construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com. That's right. Yeah. So I, so there's a couple parts here. I think that the 5% week over week metric is it's a good rule of thumb, but you have to think about what it's really saying, right? It's sort of saying retention and acquisition are the same thing, for example, right? Um, because you could get 5% week over week just by signing up more and more people. Um, and you may not be retaining them at all. Um, you know, I think that's an interesting problem. I think another problem is, um, you know, uh, when you when you think of it that way, as you're saying, you quickly reach... Uh, you know, sort of very high scale, you know, kind of problems and you start hitting saturation and so on where that's not like realistic. Um, so, so, so I would say a couple things, you know, around like how to evaluate the long-term health of a product. I think, you know, first and foremost, you have to look at on a cohort basis, um, if you draw this like churn curve, so, you know, day, day zero, I mean, well, you know, day zero is the day that, you know, someone downloads your app. And on that day, um, obviously they're active that day. day. Day one, then you know the next day, then usually there's a huge, huge drop off. People just they just don't don't want to use it. And then day two, day three, day four, you know it starts to like settle in and sort of asymptotically like levels out. And so I think there's there's two really interesting things here. So one is that does it ever level out? Is a great question, right? Um, and that's and and when it does level out, well your DAUs divided by the cohort, is that a big enough percentage to make this like an interesting company, 
right? So this is more like on the consumer side of things. Because if you imagine that, um, obviously, if it never settles in, like the, the the churn rate just keeps going down and down and down, and then eventually you lose everybody. So obviously, that's, that's not good. The second part, though, is if it settles down, but then you're talking about 0.5% of the people who sign up are still around, then, you know, it's going to be hard for this to be a big business because even if you in a world where you can, you know, acquire 10,000 new users a day, right? Like pretty, pretty, pretty solid numbers, then very quickly you'll figure out that like you're not keeping enough of them around. So, so I think, I think one thing is, you know, Hey, can you like, you know, especially if you're a consumer business, can you keep your DAUs over, you know, reg in the high single digits, 10%, you know, kind of number that would be pretty amazing. You know, the world-class products like WhatsApp and Facebook, you know, they're, DAU MAU is, um, you know, 50, 60, 65%, which is amazing. And then their MAU over registered is like, you know, 25 to 50%. So you can get a sense for, you know, that you need, you need like very big numbers, but if you can hit that, then you can start to see something super interesting. Uh, then you can build a world-class company. So I think that's one part. Then the second part is on the acquisition side, can you scale your acquisition in a way that is actually sustainable, right? So, for example, if you're growing five percent week over week, but you know you're you're doing that because you're, for example, um, opening up, uh, you know, uh, let's say you're it's because you're you're spamming, you know, Reddit a lot, right? So in the early days, that'll work, great, but you'll quickly like, um, you know, stop sustaining. And then the question is like, you figure out the next channel. And it turns out that that is a really, really hard problem. And that's why a lot of small products stay small is because they can figure out how to get, you know, a couple hundred customers, you know, per week, but they're not able to, you know, kind of go above and beyond that, regardless of how great the early, the early days look like. Yeah, I, you know, it's like when I heard Andrew talk about, uh, the examples that he was bringing up with Facebook and just some of the bigger companies, it it's relevant to everybody in that those are all superstar companies that we look up to. But then, yeah, when we're when we're in our everyday businesses, most of us most of us don't own Facebook. Right. Um, there's <laughs> so you know, if, but you could still think about the topics and you know the the sort of methodologies and apply them to your own day to day. So I know that's for me, that's exactly what I was doing with my very, you know, much smaller than Facebook company. So what, um, what experiments have you tried lately? Well, so as an example, I know when we started to email attendees, you know, that would register for industry last year, you know, we, we did that. We would just email them and say, Hey, thanks for coming. Um, but there really wasn't much more after that. Um, except th- this year, what happened is I started talking to attendees that actually came to industry and I would ask them, Hey, by the way, how did you find out about us in the first place? And I, I come to find out there's really two or three ways, major ways that they found out about us. One of them though, being Twitter. So now for industry 2017, every time somebody registers, I'm emailing them, but I also include, you know, at the end, a, a little blurb that is just saying like, Hey, by the way, if you don't mind, you know, industry is a hundred percent bootstrapped conference. We'd love it if you could help spread the word. Even a simple tweet helps. And that even a simple tweet helps that's hyperlinked to a click to tweet link. 
And, you know, one of the things we're trying to measure is, hey, how many times will an attendee actually share that? And do those shares actually turn into more as well? It's pretty passive. And I, I feel like the goodwill is there on that one. You were definitely inspired by Hotmail. Totally. I mean, that's <laughs> why when, I, when I heard, you know, the example and the story of, you know, hey, in the very beginning of Hotmail, just this one suggestion right. of, you know, this little link that you can include this at the end. Link. And I love that. I never, I never knew that it was that at first they wanted to say, "I P.S. I love you." <laughs> right. I didn't know it was Tim Draper. Um, yeah. I mean, the guy's a madman. Yeah. But I didn't know it was him who actually suggested it. But you know, to me, it. I, I did when I when I heard that story the first time, and then you know when I heard it again, it just made me realize, you know, growth isn't necessarily all about you know, these massive, you know, things that you could do that, you know, hey, you need to have developers on the, you know, it could just be a simple line in an email that you're sending to somebody that can actually have a major impact. So yeah, I would say that we were definitely inspired by that. Sometimes you just grow and you grow and then you hit a point where you're like, I don't even know necessarily who, what our customer looks like or why they're coming to us. And so in the last two months, we've had to kind of take a step back. Uh, we started running an NPS campaign uh, and then started doing customer interviews to really learn about their pain points. And now we're able to start writing to that with an SEO focus. And, you know, we're, we're kind of hoping that that's the next growth point. Um, and it was mainly because our content did so well for so long that we didn't have to worry about was it the right content. The other thing about the the this series for me, it's getting me excited, but it, it also it makes me realize like I don't know if we have a good true north, you know, as it relates to growth. Yeah. Well, when I moved to Vegas, um, the downtown project was just kind of heating up, and the big thing that everyone talked about was collisions. And it was a silly metric that that Tony had, Tony Shea, uh, the CEO of Zappos, that he had kind of concocted about the whole purpose of this space was to create collisions like you do in San Francisco. And so that was their guiding light. It wasn't necessarily like the profitability of the businesses, although that was important, obviously, um, or the number of you know successfully funded tech companies or the number of exits. It was the number of collisions that he could create in this space. And it, it, it informed every single, um, I guess, planning decision that they made. So the way that they set up each shop, the distance uh, of shops from each other, the blocks that they chose to develop and the order that they chose to develop them was all informed by trying to get people to out and walk. And that was their, that was their measurement of success. Can we connect people? And how many people can we connect? That's interesting. That's definitely interesting. It was a very experienced guiding light I feel like it wouldn't be what I would think of when when I was approaching that product you know I, I would focus right. on revenue or um, right you know city growth or population growth something like that um, everyone that worked for him everyone that was involved in the downtown scene all knew of this collisions uh, concept and and would uh. paraphrase it for him that one well, that's like an awesome example where it's not the it's not a, immediately what you might think of as the, you know, the true north that they would have. Mm-hmm. And that's like for us, 
maybe it should be, you know, just like tickets sold, but I feel like there's something deeper than that that we could get to. And I, I, you know, I'm still figuring out what that actually is. I think there probably is because if if you look, you know, past the ticket sales, right? Because I think ticket sales points you in a certain direction, right? It, Mm -hmm. It kind of encourages you to simply grow for growth's sake. Right. Um, but when we go back to, you know, the word of mouth and, and creating an experience that people want to recommend and not just are financially incentivized to recommend, uh, they're, they're, that experience that you create should be part of that guide. And like, that's the aha moment, essentially, that we talked about earlier in the episode, right? Someone goes to to industry they have that amazing time. Like they get why they should go to this every year. And that's the moment when they go out and tell all their friends. So, so Mike, what do we have coming up next week? Well, I know I'm going to be spending some time with Casey Winters. And if that name's familiar, it's because when we talked to Andrew, he brought Casey up, you know, Casey was early on the growth team at Pinterest. So, you know, Pinterest is one of the, biggest tech brands that you know I've seen pop up in the last you know decade or so so I'm excited to talk to Casey about hey in a place like Pinterest especially when they're early on what does growth look like like literally like what are the things that you know somebody like Casey does on a day-to-day basis to actually you know impact some of that growth so I'm pretty pumped about that yeah and I think what we'll do coming up we're gonna have the anatomy of a company that's experienced massive growth we'll be able to tell that story about Pinterest and some of Casey's experiences and then what we have one of our contributors um, Carl Oscar Weber interviewed Joel Gascon from Buffer who recently they experienced massive growth, but they hit a point where they kind of had to hit reset. Uh, they had to do some layoffs and kind of relook at who they are and, and what they're going to do in the next couple of years. And so that'll be a really interesting interview to kind of contrast some of the downsides of massive growth. Yeah, I think, I think it'll be great. You get to hear it from both angles. A big thanks to our sponsor today, Prezi Business. Prezi Business makes your presentations better, more engaging, interactive, and they have a platform that features built-in analytics, cloud-based collaboration tools, and the unique ability to adapt to the flow of the conversation, which is so important, whether you're doing sales or a investor presentation. So go to prezi.com forward slash rocket ship and get your presentation prezified today. If you haven't yet, subscribe if you can. Leave us a quick review. Helps to spread the show. If you want to keep up with us, go to rocketship.fm. You can follow us on Twitter, rocketshipfm. You can follow Joel at Joel Goldman, Mike Belsito at Belsito, and myself at Michael Saka. All right, we'll see you back here very soon. Bye.